The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. We're going to jump in here in a moment to 1 Corinthians 13. If you got a Bible with you, you got a smartphone with a Bible app, you can turn there to 1 Corinthians 13 as we're in a series called um, Welcome to the Jungle. I know it's been a longer series, but we'll talk a little bit about why in a minute. Um, I want to explain something real quick because I know Hunter, which by the way, I appreciate Hunter being here with Joy and Heather today to lead us in worship. But um, Hunter mentioned just this unique world that we're in right now. And on one hand, the the, the side of the world where pandemic and and, and and shelter at home and, you know, phase one, phase two, all of the sort of stuff going on. And even just the sense that the temperature seems to be rising in people's hearts. You know, any of the novelty or any of the, you know, calm that was there maybe in March and maybe even in April is kind of fading as we start into here June tomorrow. Um, And we feel that. But then, of course, now on top of it, there's um, some real race relations problems in our world. And, um, I'm going to talk about this in the message here in a moment, and, and I don't want anybody to roll your eyes and go, oh boy, I can't even go to church and not hear it, um, and I'm not here to politicize it by any stretch, but all of this comes on a day, so you add that to the pandemic, all of this comes on a day that if, if you're a follower of Christ and, and you've been in this any length of time, you might know that today actually on the calendar is what we call Pentecost Sunday, and Pentecost is the Greek term for an Old Testament festival of gathering. It was the, the first fruits harvest that they would celebrate of God's provision, and, and so you know all of Israel would gather and celebrate. Um, in the Old Testament, well, in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 2, they were gathered to celebrate that festival as Israelites, but that's at the same time where Jesus had said, hey, wait and pray, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit, and then you can shine the light that, that that's so needed in this world and share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we, we relate the, f- the festival of gathering that we call Pentecost with this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the beauty of it is this all comes today where Honestly, you guys, I believe desperately that our world needs a, a, a real work in all of our hearts, not theirs, in all of our hearts, a work of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do is really open in prayer today. And typically I would begin a message and then we would read the scripture and then uh, I like to pray, but I want to pray right now. And what I want to do is whether you're looking through a car windshield um, at, at this gathering, or like I said, maybe you're online and you're experiencing this gathering from your house somewhere, um, I want you to pray with me. And I would just ask that you pray along, inviting the Holy Spirit to move in your heart. And I'm praying for the same thing in my heart, because again, I think we really desperately need the work of the Holy Spirit in us, that we don't fall prey to uh, all of the sort of temperature rising and and the, the frustration and angst and all of this stuff. But instead, what does it look like, you know, to 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 be who God wants us to be in this time? So I want to pray, and I would just ask you to pray right along. Father, today, um, we appreciate so much as we look at our own faith tradition and our own history as followers of Jesus and how today on the calendar is a Pentecost Sunday where you go back to the book of Acts chapter two and they had all gathered and they were all praying like you told us to Lord. And and all of a sudden there was this outpouring that was so needed to empower them to shine a light in a world that really was chaotic in a world that as time goes on here in the book of Acts, there was a lot of persecution and, and, and a lot of really bad stuff happening. And yet they continue to shine. And that, that's my prayer. 
prayer. That for all of us that say, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. I believe in what Jesus did for me on the cross and I value that and I've welcomed that into my world that we don't live by the mandates of the news. We don't live by the mandates of, of this world that can be you know up and down and all over the place. But instead, God, we live by the mandate of the need for the Holy Spirit and the ability to, to rise above a, a world full of, of, of a lot of stuff and instead be the light and how timely that we prepare a series and here, you know, a couple months into it already now that, that we're looking at words that I hope challenge all of us to realize, hey, we've still got to love even though it's not always easy, even though we feel all that we feel. And so we pray and I pray right now for every person staring through a windshield, for every person sitting in a, on a couch or in a bed or a, in a dining room table or wherever they might be right now for your spirit to move in us, God, to deal with the issues of anxiety anxiety, to deal with the stuff in our hearts, God, that maybe isn't even right, God, to, to navigate through the angst or the, 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 the frustration or the outbursts of anger that we use sometimes when we don't know how to say or do what we should say or do. Jesus, fill us, challenge us, move in every single one of us. God, I honestly don't want to live another day without a move of your spirit in me. I don't want to kind of go through this in my own power, but I need you. We all need you. And I pray for that right now to move, your spirit to move in every single heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, like I said, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13. And again, this is a more lengthy series than we typically would do. But when you really look at 1 Corinthians 13, man, this is the kind of thing where you could be in month after month after month after month because every word is its own message almost. And so we're trying to pare it down a little bit. But even still, we're going to be looking at verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 13. So if you got a Bible, you can turn there. If you got a smartphone with a Bible app, you can turn there. And I encourage that. But um, we'll jump into that here momentarily. When I was, uh, I think, 14, maybe 15 years old, I had my first job. And it was a, it was what you call under the table. It wasn't a job that I filled out any paperwork for, so I wasn't paying taxes. But I was actually working at a body shop where um, I was a, just a kid, and I got paid $3 an hour. Um, and and I my job was to sweep up and put the tools back and then to peel the stickers off the cars, the, the decals off the cars so they could paint them, and they use a hot blowgun. And then you peel the stickers, and my fingers would hurt all the time, and I would do sanding on Bondo jobs at a body shop. That was my very first job under the table at $3 an hour. And then um, I, I ended up, uh, I think after that, I worked um, at Pay and Save in, in Marysville, actually, where the Marysville Mall is. Of course, we still call it the Marysville Mall, although it's not really a mall. But um, next to Albertsons was Pay and Save. And I worked there. I had my little blue vest, and I was a, a, a checker, cashier, and I you know, fixed and straightened up shelves and stuff like that. Um, I also worked at Godfather's in North Marysville, delivered pizza for Godfather's. It's where Coastal is now. There's Kmart. There's a strip mall there. I worked at Godfather's there. I worked at Anthony's Homeport. Um, there was a season of time where I did construction, framing, building decks, fences, uh, different stuff like that. Um, I worked in publishing. I helped publish books. I was a typesetter, graphic design work, and, and, and worked as a project manager to publish books. Um, I was a janitor. In fact, I was actually the janitor at the Grove Church back in the mid-90s. Um, I scrubbed every toilet and washed every window and cleaned every floor and all that stuff um, way back in the day. And then, of course, I was a youth pastor, which isn't a lot different than being the janitor, I guess, but uh, that's a bad joke. Um, no, just kidding, Jesse. Love you. But um, no, I was a youth pastor here years ago. And, um, and then, of course, I'm the lead pastor. And, and what that's called is work. And I'm not trying to make you feel dumb because we all know that that's work. And when I think, when I say my job history, some of you guys go, I remember my job history and you had some of the same jobs I had and stuff like that. But it's called 
work. And why do we do it? Well, sure, work gives us purpose, and that's good. But ultimately, you know, we work because it provides an income. So, so the benefit of work is that it provides income. It takes work to receive that income. That's the benefit. That's the way the system is supposed to be uh, created. We all understand that we work, and there's the benefit. Sometimes we love work. Oddly enough, one of my favorite jobs was actually delivering pizza for Godfathers, and part of it was I was a brand new believer in Jesus, and I used to listen to Christian radio. I still do, but I used to listen to Christian radio then, like Chuck Swindoll and Greg Laurie and Focus on the Family. You know, Every night when I would work, I would deliver pizza, but I would be listening to these messages that really help grow my faith. And so I look back and go, man, I loved that job. So uh, delivering pizza was one of my favorites. Sometimes we love work. Sometimes work just plain feels like work. And honestly, even the best jobs in the world, there are moments where we're all like, man, what in the world? This is just tough, tough stuff. And so um, sometimes we love it. Sometimes we don't, but we can't forget that there is the benefit. Now, why is that important in a series like Welcome to the Jungle, where what we're talking about is the relationship between people for you and I as, as, as maybe married people or, or uh, you know, we have kids or there's extended family or our friends or the people that live around us as our neighbors or whatever it might be. The, the, the relationship world we live in really is a jungle. And that's Paul's context in 1 Corinthians, that there was a multicultural church that had all kinds of, honestly, different belief systems, different ways they believe things should go from we shouldn't wear covering head coverings when we pray, yes, you should, to how communion was taken, to... Um, physical, romantic relationships and the problems with some of those issues. And, and you know, I follow Paul and others were like, no, I follow Apollos. Well, no, I follow Jesus and all of this stuff. So Paul says there needs to be parameters to how you exist together because if there's not, things are really chaotic and that's the problem with the church. And then he says, hey, by the way, with all these parameters, don't forget how important love is. And if love doesn't exist within these parameters, then this is all worthless. And that's what 1 Corinthians is all about. Now, again, I go back to, it's it's essential to understand this in this series, especially as we get to verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 13. Because one, Paul writes 1 Corinthians 13, and it's awesome, and it's wonderful, and it's inspiring, and some of you had it read at your wedding, and that's amazing. But the other thing is this, what Paul says is work. So, like I said, some, some jobs we have that are just work and some we love, but the simple fact is when Paul talks about verse 7, it's a reminder that it's not always as easy as we want it to be. Love isn't always easy. Think about your kids. There are plenty of days with our four kids, Heather and I, that we love being parents and it's wonderful. And there are days where we're like, can we just ship them off somewhere? Can we just be done with this? Because I'm to the max, you know? And I think a lot of you understand what I'm saying. I think marriage can be that way. And I have a great marriage and my wife, dear Lord, she puts up with me and loves me. But there are days where marriage is easy and wonderful. And there are days where it is just not so easy. But that's where love is so important. And when Paul says what he says in 1 Corinthians 13, it's a high bar that challenges every single one of us on what love ought to look like. So, and by the way, I'm quoting this every single time I speak multiple times because my hope at the end of this series is that you have it memorized, that somehow you begin to get this in your brain because I think it's so important. Love is patient, Paul says. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 
It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, and this is verse 7, always trusts, always hopes, and verse 8, always perseveres. Love never fails. And I want to look into these words because when you look at verse 7, this is where I'm trying to help us understand love is work. When you think about that word to protect, we're all pretty familiar with the idea of protection, and that's where the word comes from when when Paul uses it. Love always protects. It's the idea of a roof covering and providing shelter. It's the idea of clothing providing protection against the elements of sun or heat or wind or cold. And so it's protection. Paul says to the church in the churches in the region of Galatia that were clothed in Christ. In, in chapter 3 of Galatians, verse 26 and 27. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. He says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourselves with Christ. That's where the idea of you and I being in Christ means that there's a shelter, there's a protection. God is our covering. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't face tough times. This doesn't mean there are not trials and tests of our faith. This doesn't mean we don't go through tough stuff. If you read the scriptures at all, over and over and over, the people of God went through all kinds of stuff, and that doesn't simply end today because somehow we invite Jesus into our lives. We still go through tough things. But the question is this. If God provides that covering for us, if God protects us, if God is our encourager and comforter, then what does it look like for you and I to be that for other people? See, the lens you and I look through is not just our lens, how we're doing, what we think, how we should operate, what we're afraid of. There are other lenses to look through that Paul is saying, what does it look like for you to protect others when they're afraid, when they feel vulnerable, when they're in harm's way? You think about a virus that there's all kinds of questions about what does it do and how does it work and what new information are we learning? And I don't have all those answers and I don't think anybody on the planet has all of those answers. Nevertheless, why am I standing on a roof looking through windshields or staring at a camera speaking to people online? Because right now we want to do our best to love others well and that includes protecting people that are vulnerable and some people don't even know they're vulnerable. And so sure, I would far rather be in a building. Sure, I would far rather hug you in a lobby because I'm a hugger. Some of you guys are like, I'm done with this church. I get it, it's fine. But the truth is, I don't prefer this at the same time. How do we do our best to create the right kind of parameters because love always protects. It means not just your lens, but the lens of others and caring for them as well. Love always protects. Now, let me bring it a little closer to home, and this is going to make you feel a little bit more uncomfortable if I haven't already jumped down that trail a little ways. When we talk about protection, we hear recently about somebody who says, I can't breathe. And see, I bring that up, and it's a sensitive subject, but the simple fact is it was heartbreaking to see it. I hated the video. It broke my heart. It made me sick. 
and we watch that and, and, I, and I see it and, and we sit there and go, how in the world could that happen? And there's all kinds, again, here we are, all kinds of opinions and all kinds of thoughts and all kinds of hashtags and there's all this upheaval that has gotten all the way to Seattle now where we're hearing news of the cars burning last night and curfews and all of the craziness. And I realize, because I'm not stupid, that plenty of, plenty of people are coming into town because they just love anarchy. They couldn't care less about the agenda. They just want to go make a mess. Nevertheless, there is an issue in our world that some of us could easily, listen to me, could easily set aside because, well, we live in the Pacific Northwest where that, that race stuff isn't really an issue. Well, we live in the Pacific Northwest where, where you know, we, we, we don't deal with that. I mean, that happened over in the Midwest and, of course, in the South because that's always a problem down there, it seems like, but not here. And yet, if there's a problem that needs addressing, is there a possibility that we have a role to play? Do, do we all know of individuals that don't have the same skin color as, as, as we do? Maybe as I do? Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that has a different skin color and asked them, hey, have you ever had to worry about going out? Have you ever had to think twice about taking a jog? about going to a certain city, about what you do. and Have you ever had to think about that? Because I got to be honest, and this is just a confession from my own little world, I've never really thought twice about taking a jog somewhere. I've never thought about going a certain place or what could happen to me because of my, I just haven't. At the same time, I can acknowledge there's a problem in our world, you guys. And I hate to consider what would I have done if I were there around that situation where George Floyd is, is saying, I can't breathe. Well, there, there's, there's the police officers, and, and you try to jump in, you're just going to get arrested too. What, what could happen to you? And I, I think about this. This is just my head here. But when, when this comes up in our series on a Sunday like today, I can't skirt the conversation. If love always protects, and that's my neighbor, that's my brother, that, that's somebody that I'm supposed to care about, what would it look like for me to jump in and do something? Didn't Jesus say the greatest kind of love to have is the kind that lays down their own lives? We do have a problem in our world. And I realize for some of us, well, but I, I'm not the problem because I'm not a racist. But if there's a problem, then, then something needs to be addressed. And instead of just setting it aside, what if you did ask yourself, what does it look like for you to be a protector? Because here's the thing, on one hand, there's the conversation about color of skin, but there's also the conversation of, about, about there's human trafficking. And even on the I-5 corridor, which, which is what, maybe three quarters of a mile that way, where, where people are being kidnapped and, and, and shipped off into human trafficking and children that are being exploited in pornography. And, and dear Lord, we bring up even the topic of abortion. And, and, and what is happening to, to people that can't even defend themselves? If love always protects, then we ought to be asking ourselves, what is my role in helping protect those that are vulnerable and can't protect themselves? And so whether it's the color of the skin or it's the gender of the individual or it's the age or the disability, if Paul says love always protects, 
And, and these individuals are around us in different ways. What is our role instead of assuming I'm all good because I'm just not that? It's, it's just not that easy. And again, like I said, I'm not here to get political. This isn't a political conversation. This is a spiritual conversation. Love always protects. See, when I was in sixth grade, my dad one night said, I'm not going anywhere because my parents have been fighting a lot and there was this sense of like, uh-oh, it's not good. He says, I'm not going anywhere. And I wake up the next morning and he was gone and that was the last time I ever lived in the same house with my dad again, ever. So I don't bring that up for pity, but I bring it up because guess what? Now I have my own kids. What does it look like for me to protect my own kids? And there's all kinds of variables, but in that context, you know what it looks like for me in that context? That my kids never have to worry that when my wife and I have an argument of some sort, because we do, that when my wife and I aren't getting along and there's a little bit of tension, they never have to wonder, is one of them going to walk? No, it doesn't work that way in our home. That's not how we do marriage. And there are times where marriage is hard and we love each other. We're great, but guess what? It's not always fun. But my protection for my own kids is never having to have them consider, what if mom and dad can't make, what if one of them walks? Who needs your protection? Who needs that kind of love from you? Love is work because protecting one another costs something. It's just the nature of it. It says, love always trusts. When we read that, sometimes you and I struggle because when you read love always trusts, one of our thoughts goes right to, well, what if trust is broken? What if they lied to me? What if somebody I care about didn't tell me the truth? I, well, I just trust you because love always trusts. That is not what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying, in effect, when you study this word is, Love always trusts, listen carefully, love always trusts that God has something virtuous in this relationship, even if right now it's not smooth and easy. So it's not love always trusts, you can lie to me and get away with all this stuff because I just always trust you. That's not the context. The idea is God has something virtuous in this and I'm gonna trust that if I can love well, somehow God could possibly bring that out in the right way in this relationship. It's related to hope. It's believing there's something better inside. It's enduring in the difficulty. Love is work here because trusting when things seem hopeless isn't easy. It says love hopes and perseveres. It's, it's, it's looking ahead. It, it, it's, it's believing there's something better coming. It's, it's, it's knowing that, that trust and hope and perseverance, Paul says to the church in Philippi, I'm straining on towards what is ahead. We are people of perseverance. I've said before, if you've been a follower of Christ for any length of time, being a follower of Jesus isn't easy. If you study 2,000 years of Christian history, which I've taken all kinds of classes, I have all kinds of books, and my favorite subject is history. But if you look at Christian history, we are a people of perseverance because we've been through all kinds of persecution as followers of Jesus in 2,000 years. From, from martyrdom, being fed to lions, all kinds of, of not being allowed to be in certain countries to beheadings to death happening even today. And we may not be that familiar with it. 
And people get all kinds of, of, of word that's where we're going in America. And there is reason to keep our eyes open and be discerning. At the same time, we're always a people of perseverance, meaning we hang our hat on who God is and the fact, and I don't say this glibly or flippantly, but we hang our hat on the simple fact that in the end, God wins. In the end, God's got this. And while I don't always understand it, while I don't always see it, while I can't always comprehend it, I'm leaning into, I'm a person of perseverance. I'm holding on to my faith in the midst of the trial that I'm facing. There's a song that we've been singing for maybe a year now in, in, our, in our church. And, and we, this is some of the lyrics. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. And that's just an honest confession. It sounds great in a song and we play the lyric, you know, the music to it and all that stuff, but it's a truth we're supposed to be living by. I don't always see it, but I'm believing God that you are at work. And so I persevere trusting that in the end, things are going to work out. Like I said, as Paul writes to the, 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 the church in, in Philippi in chapter three of Philippians, Paul says, not, he's talking about maturity and our growth and, 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 and being who God wants us to be. Not that I have already obtained it all or I've already been made perfect, he says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, verse 13, I do not consider myself, he repeats it, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Then he bottom lines it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind straining on towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal of the upward call of God in Christ or the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We're a people of perseverance. And that's where love is work because perseverance by nature means enduring trial. To love people with perseverance means not to give up so easily, to continue in love. And then he says, love never fails. And there again, it would be a misunderstanding to think that when Paul says love never fails, well, it always, you know, the miracle always happens if we just love right. Now, what he's really saying, and it's an acknowledgement next week as we finish this series, I want to talk about this. But when he's talking about love never fails, it's, it's, it's this idea when we love right, love has a way of, of miracle transformation in the human heart. When we love well, it can do miracles in the human heart. But when he says love never fails, it's not a blank check that that's always going to happen. What he is saying, though, and remember, it's a reflection on me, God's love for me, and how I love others. So specifically, when he says love never fails, if you and I surrender to loving people the way God wants us to love people, then we become who God wants us to become. Now, some of the benefit of that is that miracles happen to other people's lives. But the greatest benefit, as Paul is reflecting on it, is God's ability to transform my heart, my process of thinking, my way of going about life, so that I become who God wants me to become. So that I arrive at the destination as a person that God wants me to arrive at. That love never fails. But, and I've said this already, but love is work. <laughs> it's, it's, love is a decision. It's not a feeling. Love is a choice. It's not based on emotion. 
And so sometimes we get all wound up or, or, or bent out of shape because somehow we don't feel like we love someone. We don't feel like we want to love an individual because some people feel a little less lovable than others. And I'm in that category sometimes. Just ask my wife. But anyway, when you think about the kind of love that God asks us to have, there's something about it that while it's work, we trust that the benefit far outweighs the price we pay to love how God wants. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. Love is not proud. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Hunter's going to come up and lead us in in just a a portion of a song for a few moments. Um, But I'm going to pray. And my hope would be, again, whether you're staring through a windshield or, or you're looking at a screen in your house or a smartphone, that right now, maybe you just close your eyes, but I want you to take in some of these lyrics that he's going to sing because there is something amazing about what love can do in us. So just for a couple of moments here, he's going to lead us in this song and then, uh, then we'll dismiss. Father, today, as we think about this picture of love protecting, forgive us where we haven't protected, where, where, where we've bailed on love instead of trusting that you are at work and, and living in that hope and perseverance. God, thank you for your grace. And I pray today, Lord, that your love would overwhelm every one of our hearts, God. Because as we end this next week, we're going to talk about the greatest of these is love. And yet I pray for this week, I pray for today, that the kind of love we're talking about is something that that we see, yeah, the bar is high. Wow, that's a tough thing to measure in us. But God, I pray we wouldn't leave that as an excuse for how we can't love but a challenge that we can through your work in us. In Jesus' name. Go ahead, Hunter. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.